This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 526 of the Stable Scoop Show on the Horse Radio Network. It is our equestrian roundtable show in coordination with American Horse Publications. Our sponsor this episode is Purina Equine Sr. I am Glenda Geek, founder of the Horse Radio Network and host of Horses in the Morning, longest-running daily horse podcast in the world. And we want to welcome you to the roundtable. We have three more roundtables left in 2021. And we are really excited about our partnership with American Horse Publications. Chris or somebody from there is in here watching tonight. AHP is the Association of Equine Journalists, and HRN has been a proud member for years. We have one of the board members joining the panel tonight. I don't know if they made her do it or if she volunteered. We'll find out. Um, and But she's an old friend of mine, too. Each roundtable, we'll have two members of AHP and one of our terrific listeners, and we're excited to be broadcast on the AHP Facebook page as well. Now, it is Chris. Hi, Chris. I'll be your host and moderator. I have some opinions, but mostly we're going to let those guys talk. Uh, and they have some terrific topics tonight. I want to tell you a little bit about the topics. How to deal with horsemanship differences in a boarding situation. We had a boarding stable. That comes up every time you board anywhere. How to identify what is causing your horse's bad behavior. And how do you deal with horsemanship differences in or, um, I'm sorry, I did that one already. The third one is, uh, is a bit-related question, and it's balancing training with bit choice. How do you know when it's time to change bits? So we have some terrific topics, but before we get to all of that, I wanted to mention that it is the holidays. You are shopping for people. If you're a Horse Radio Network fan, go to hrnstore.com. That little drawing there was drawn by one of our terrific listeners, Jessica, and that's my, my pony scooter. Um, and every year, we're going to have a new design for the holidays. You can get Christmas cards with this. You can get mugs with this. You can get pillows with this. You can get blankets with this. So if you want to have uh, the design every year, we're going to do a different scooter design every year. So Jessica did that. You can go buy your... I just ordered our holiday cards uh, with scooter on it. So you can order yours. They, they shipped within two days. So you still have time to get them. Head on over to hrnstore.com. We also have embroidered HRN stuff, horses in the morning stuff. We, you can also get screen printed we have like 150 different items of swag for horse radio network so if you have a horse radio network fan or you are one and you can tell everybody else to shop there for you so go to hrnstore.com and that's where you'll find all of that good stuff let's meet our panelists one of my old friends probably met her when i first started horse radio network and that was uh 13 years ago now and we've been friends ever since she uh was a host for a little while on the network and we just see each other all the time it seems like um she's also an editor writer journalist a professor with 25 years of national caliber experience editing and writing for most of the national horse publications she currently teaches journalism at arizona state university cronkite school of journalism and communications and equine journalism at the university of guelph in canada so, hi, Emily Esterson. Hi, Glenn. Nice to see you. Yeah, I always hate talking to Emily because I can't write and my punctuation's all wrong and I can't spell anything. So, I'm, I always feel so inadequate when you're around. Just uh, you know, 
as we were saying, I might be the only person that notices anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. We have gotten away from doing things accurately in the writing world. Yeah, yeah. It's... Which is why I talk for a living, right? <laughs> uh, so if I get my English wrong, it goes away quickly and nobody notices it, right? So, right, right. yeah. <laughs> so thank you for joining us tonight. Now, you are a member of the board, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that later on in the show, too. Yeah. But where are you at in the country? I'm in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where it is a lovely, it's probably 59 degrees right now, which is just nice. great. Although a little global warming-ish, uh, it's a little warm for this time of year, but we'll let that go because it's so pleasant out. So, yeah, this yeah. is like perfect weather for where we live in the South right now. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But we suffered the summer to get to this. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, <us> yeah. <laughs> All right, our next uh, panelist is Director of Development Communications and Strategic Partnerships at the Montana Center for Horsemanship. Uh, Janet places equines in need and those who are homeless, abandoned, or retired in permanent adoptive homes. She has like 25 jobs. Uh, and she founded the Equus International Film Festival. That was the first film festival in 2011. And we have Janet Rose with us. Hi, Janet. Hi there. Hi. And you're also an AHP member. I uh, am. Yeah. So Very thank happy you for joining us. Now, thank I assume you. you're in Montana, I guess. I am in Montana. <laughs> I'm in Missoula. The center yeah. is in Dillon. Uh, but our work takes us all over the world. So I'm in, but I'm in Montana. Yes. So we're going to, yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 yeah. Global warming hasn't hit there yet. It's still chilly in Montana. So, so we're hoping on our road show this year, we did uh, the East Coast for five weeks, so visiting listeners. We're hoping to do the middle of the country, and we've never been to Montana. So we're hoping... <gasps> then you are missing something. Yeah, we're hoping to take the RV to Montana next year, that, or this coming year, 2022. So okay. yeah, we're hoping that. I'll give you lots of reasons to come. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you need more reasons. It's Montana, right? So so we're we're very excited about that. And representing our listeners, one of our terrific auditors, those are people who are like super fans of the Horse Radio Network, and I think she's been a listener for a long time, but we're going to find that out. She's from right outside of Philadelphia in horse country right there in the Chester County area. Hey, Alex Hamilton. Hi, everybody. Now, Alex, how long have you been listening to our nonsense? So I guess it's been about three years. Yeah. Uh, when I came back to riding after decades away. Um, my son actually said, oh, you should check out podcasts because he was, you know, he's 24, was 24. And uh, I searched horse podcasts and it came up. And then I just started watching, listening to every single one. So, <laughs> Well, thank you for that. We <laughs> appreciate I got, that. I got my, one of my jobs through Horse Radio Network. So I'm a fan. Well, good. Well, I'm I glad to hear that. Wendy Murdoch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Terrific. Yeah, she said well, something on the Dressage Radio Show, and I sent a Hail Mary email, and here I am. Well, terrific. Well, we're yeah. glad to have you here. Thanks. Yeah. Happy to be here. All right, so let's get to our first topic. And as I said, the way this works is we're going to have you introduce your topic, and then you guys have a conversation about it. That's why we're here. So, Emily, what did you want to chat about? Wanted to chat about bits. Uh, I wanted to chat about how to know when it's time to change up your bit. And... The reason I want to talk about this is that about 10 years ago, I wrote a book called The Ultimate Book Book of Bits, which you might be familiar with. And while I was researching that book, I I realized that there's a lot of there's a lot of bit ch changing and a lot of bit options and a lot of, you know, there's just tons of options out there. 
And most people don't really know what bits are used for, the mechanics of bits, how they work, and when you should change bits. And and so as I was writing this book, you know, I'm still I still have people call me and ask me questions about bits or, you know, uh, send me text or email. Oh, I'm having this bidding issue. And I always want to say to them, you know, it's really about the training. It's not really about the bit. And so, but but there is a fine balance there. Like, you know, sometimes it is about the bit. Sometimes you do need something. But it, it kind of reminds me a little bit about when you buy a new pair of shoes, right? So you buy this new pair of shoes and you walk around in them for a few days and you're like, wow, these shoes feel great. And then pretty soon you kind of forget about how the, how the shoes really feel. And they're just shoes and you put them on. It's a little bit like that for horses, I think. You know, you change the bit and they're like, oh, there's this new thing in my mouth and I'm a little bit more responsive or something's changed. But over time, they kind of get used to it again. And so it's really about changing the the training to make sure that your horse can go in the mildest bit possible and be super responsive. So that's the the sort of blah, blah explanation. So why does every horse woman I know have an entire bucket of bits? Oh, <laughs> you know. at one point I had 200 bits. Oh so my God. Pot, kettle, black here, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I have a good friend who helped me research the bits, um, who re- helped me research the book. Nancy um, Ambrosiano is a, a pony club um, very involved in Pony Club and did a lot of bit stuff with Pony Clubbers, and um, which that name always makes me laugh because I think of a little kid whacking a horse over the head with a club. Um, but Pony Clubbers <laughs> are, you know, she, and so she also had a huge, she had like a crate of bits. And so I went to her house and we looked through all her bits and talked about them. And I think, first of all, I think personally, I think bits are beautiful. And there's a lot of craftsmanship involved. And one of the best parts of writing the book was going to the Herm Springer factory in Germany and watching them make bits there by hand and watching them design them. So I think, you know, they're beautiful and I do think they have a purpose in training. And so sometimes you have to kind of experiment a little bit before you figure out, Oh yeah, really, I need to make sure my horse has a half halt and not, run through my hands, you know, and that he listens to my seat and leg and my body rather than using your reins to, to stop the horse. So, or to change something. So Janet, you have a rescue. So I'd be interested to know before we get to you, I just want to say, if you're watching live right now, post what bit you're using at this moment, what, what's the one on your bridle right now? So Janet, you, you have a bunch of different horses coming into the rescue. Do you have a bit that you start them with all the time or start finish almost all the time? Uh, just a nice snaffle, just a nice snaffle. And I also, I have gated horses and, um, you know, so I remember talking to a friend of mine who uh, breeds and raises Tennessee walkers. I have a Tennessee walker rescue <clears throat> horse. Um, I have Rockies to one Rocky who was rescued. And I just find that to have a universal, I mean, I really wanted to talk to Emily about this because I don't know. I mean, does a horse really need anything but just a good, a really good snaffle? Um, of course, if you're doing something much more high level in terms of jumping or um, certain kinds of training, but mm-hmm. I kind of look at the snaffle as a universal. Um, when when people adopt and they ask me, what kind of bit should I get? What kind of bit should I use? I say, you know what? especially if they're new to the horse or new to horsemanship, I say, try to start with a snaffle and you can go on from there. Mm -hmm. So, 
But it was interesting, you know, taking kids through 4-H, they required a um, um, uh, Tom Thumb. And so I thought, wow, okay, but in the hands of these little kids, that's, uh, you know, it's going to be kind of rough. So it's very interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't know that there's any, you know, universal answer. Yeah, I don't think there is, but I totally agree on the, uh, on the snaffle. Uh, I have a, a double link snaffle with a lo- lozenge job in it. I probably have seven or eight of those <laughs> different iterations and every one of my horses goes in that bit. So Alex, yeah. how, what kind of riding do you do? I event. Oh, and what, what are you using? Or- I use a loose ring yeah. double joint with a lozenge as well. Yeah. For all discipline, for all the disciplines, for or do you switch? Discipline. Yep, for yeah. all the disciplines. Um, we're kind of lower level. I mean, I guess eventually, I think bidding for me is if you're having a bidding issue, or you're ha- is the issue lack of connection, right? So, th- so that I think is horse horse sensitive. So, if a horse likes a bit more, I switch to the double joint because the single joint he was uh, wasn't as happy with we had a little bit of a head toss it was still a snaffle but um when i went to the double joint he just seemed much happier um so i think some horses um when connection is so important if they like a bit they're going to be more willing to connect then you have control which is a different thing right Mm -hmm. and it's a different bidding issue and Currently, at my, the lower levels, my horse is totally fine and very responsive to his snaffle. I ride in the exact same bit. I have a dressage bridle and I have a jumping bridle, and they have the exact same bit. Um, we'll see when the jumps get bigger. If I need him to be a little more responsive, I don't know. I, I'm hoping to stay in a snaffle, you know, or some variation. He's in a loose ring snaffle and is very responsive, but he's sensitive. So he does. I uh, he doesn't really appreciate a lot of messing with his mouth. So simple is better for him. But then I see, you know, then I'm watching some of the, um, you know, upper level eventers, and they're galloping at a pretty good clip and need to be able to sit their horse back. And mm-hmm. you know, some of them have bigger bits. Um. I, I'm always impressed when I see the four and five star eventers go around in a snaffle. I think that's impressive. You know, I think that mm. shows a lot of training, but horses are different, you know, and some horses get really strong. And the problem with training, the idea of training is you can't really duplicate being out on a competitive three, four, five star course in training, right? So that horse may go fine in a snaffle for cross country schooling at, you know, your local schooling place, but then when you're actually going for the real deal. So I don't know that part. I don't, you know, I can't mm-hmm. really, you know, I would assume that maybe they need something different. And then you can talk about leverage and all those other things right. that happen with bidding. My horse is totally offended by any sort of leverage. So that won't be a thing. Um, so he gets offended by a lot of things, but um, leverage is not a thing for him, but I know for a lot of horses. And then there's some horses that go well in a hackamore with no bit. Right. So, you know, I think it's totally horse specific, but I think to, and then there's a safety issue, right? So some people end up with maybe too much horse, like I sort of did in the beginning. Um, 
he's still a lot of horse. I'm just have kind of caught up now after being gone for multiple decades. So now we're a good match. But in the beginning, you know, had he been a bolter, maybe for safety's sake, I would have needed a bigger bit. I don't know. Right. So there's a safety issue there too. That needs to be addressed, right. That while the training is happening, people need to stay safe. So I don't know if that comes into it. Oh yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right on everything you said. And, you know, I'm not saying that there's never a place for a little bit more a bit. I think there's, there's can be absolutely a place. I mean, you know, earlier today I was watching some jumping jumper, high level jumper feed and it was a beautiful ride. And, you know, it was very soft and he was jumping, you know, meter 50 or meter 55. And it was, it was a beautiful, beautiful jumper ride. And he, he was soft in the hands, but I could tell every now and again, you know, he needed a little like, whoa, that's a big oxer, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And I also event, so I, I get that. Um, and I also, you know, I fox hunted for many, many years and, um, and you can't really replicate what happens right. in a fox hunting field. And there are a lot of people in the fox hunting field who are less experienced riders or have, who haven't had the kind of training that, that we've had. Um, our horses aren't as trained. And so, yeah, they do need, they need some breaks because, mm-hmm. you know, they're just yeah. not. For safety's sake. Just, for just safety's sake. Yeah. 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 I yeah. mean, that's, you know, that's the yeah. reality is that, you know, yeah. people need to stay safe as well. You know? Well, let's oh, get, yeah. let's let's go back to the question though. How do you know when it's time to change bits? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think you know. I think that um, that you, for safety reasons, if you've got a horse that's a runaway um, and you need a little more something, you've got a horse that's a head flipper, you might need a little bit of leverage there. Um, you've got a horse that's uh, that's running through the connection a little bit, you might need just a little bit more bit. Um, to get that horse to pay it a little bit more attention. I like to use bits as training aids. So, you know, you, you maybe are going to ride with a Pelham, but you're mostly going to be on the snaffle rein. And if you need a little leverage, you're going to use your, mm-hmm. um, your leverage rein to, to get the horse's attention. Um, I think another, another good one is if, you know, I think if you're just doing arena work, you can kind of work through it. But I think when you're riding out, you might, yeah you know, just in case, um, have a little more bit, uh, green horses, of course, need a different kind of bit. When I started both of my horses, I started them in a different bit than I'm riding in them in now. Um, and of course, if you're a Western listener, I am not an expert, but I know a lot of Western trainers these days do start their horses in snaffles. Um, oh, yeah. and, and they, and they move them up into a leverage bit and the leverage is such a light touch. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have to train that and they train that with, with a, with a snaffle bit to begin with. And then they move up to leverage bit. So, I mean, to me, that's, what do you guys think? Um, oh, that's very much. I mean, yeah. I see that across the board, yeah. um, you know, gentle light to start and you see, who that horse is and what they need. Um, There are some horses, I mean, there are some that we've had, um, some that we've worked with from being very young to obviously very old, um, very old horses. And some of them, they go in um, a halter and that's it. They're just fine. So, but yeah, I would say for Western riding, I mean, most of the trainers I've seen and worked with, um, they're starting in a snaffle. 
nice, nice um, copper, something. I mean, I love the concept that, you know, give that horse something to suck on, you know, to keep his or her mouth salivating comfort. Yeah. Comfort first. And then you've got that attention. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I think if I was to run into a problem, I actually, my horse has one of those copper type bits for that reason to, because he seems to like it and that, you know, I'll stay there. But I think if I was running into a bidding issue, I would probably have one of these bit fitters out. I think, you know, talk to my trainer, see what Mm -hmm. my trainer thinks. Um, and then have a bit fitter out so that you can try a bunch of different, because you know, right away, whether the horse, like I knew when I switched to a double uh, joint that my horse was way happier. Yeah. <laughs> I, I knew instantly. And we've been riding in that bit now for over two years. And I don't really see a reason to change at this point, but I don't have any problem with brakes. Brakes is not mm-hmm. an issue. Connection is a little bit of an issue where, you know, um, but not because of bit it's a soft bit that he likes it's just a matter of you know the right. Training. training right they're just the training but um yeah i think that's what i would do is i would have a bit fitter out and try all the bits try yeah. all the- because you we know, can't go and buy 800 dollar bits just yeah. to try it, right it's crazy i know that is that is the one that is that is a market um that is a market fail right there is that you know you there's no way to try a bunch of bits there's yeah. And, you know, you buy them, you send them back, you take them, hopefully they take them back. But that is a big, big problem. I wanted to bring up one quick thing about that single link snaffle, which I learned in the process. And when we were growing up, that's all we had was single link snaffles. And, um, and actually they, when you put pressure on them, they make a nice little point that pokes right up into the roof of the horse's mouth. Which is what was happening. And I realized that every once, every now and again, he would fling his head in the air. Yeah. Yeah he's extremely sensitive. Like he can't take any, like, so that was very clear. And I was like, Hmm. And immediately went and got the double joint. And he was like, never, it never happened again. That yeah. had never happened again. So yeah. that was a matter of, but same thing back in the old days, we only had those. So yeah. I started with an egg, butt single, you know, that was what I started green horses in, yeah. you know, 35 years ago. So don't fix it if it ain't broke. And uh, so that's what we started in. But then once I re- once he really started going, that is what happened. That yeah. you know, that spike hit the top of his head, and then once it went, it was you know. Yeah. So I probably wouldn't use a single break at any point. But, you know, I just wouldn't use it now. Yeah. You guys would be happy. I uh, asked in the auditor room what everybody's using on their bridle right now, and and a lot of people commented that they laughed and said one bridle or all of them. So I. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a horse husband. I should have known better than to ask it that way. Uh, but we got full cheek snaffle. We have egg butt snaffle. We have uh, quarter moon egg butt snaffle, uh, French link snaffle, um, double jointed snaffle, double jointed egg butt snaffle. I mean, double jointed egg butt snaffle. So yeah, we're right down the line there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, nobody said a twisted wire or anything, so I'm happy to see that. Actually. <laughs> they didn't admit it. They, yeah. <laughs> they are using it. <laughs> Use those when we only had ten bits available. So. Yeah, double twisted <laughs> wire. Yeah. Back in the old days, for me. So I, I, one of the funnest bits I found while I was researching this, and funnest, and I say this in a like geeky, researchy way, not in a horse horse welfare way, but it was a bicycle chain bit. 
Oh and yeah. It was actually a bicycle chain. Yep. You could imagine that yeah. how that looked. I was like, oh I can my imagine goodness. my horse would dump me on the ground. That's what yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. I just imagine their tongue getting cut in between or caught in between all the little links. Yeah. It's, yeah. I can't imagine the yeah. response I would get to something like that. Yeah. Yeah. The all other, right. Well, yeah, go ahead. One more thing, say, Emily. You can one end more, it. One more thing quickly is that, of course, people don't realize this necessarily either, is that the bit ring makes a huge difference. And you said you're in yeah. a loose ring, Alex, and okay. I always ride in a loose ring too. But, um, but you know, egg butt, D-ring full cheek, you know, you know, whatever that is, that, that has, that has an impact. And a lot yep. of people don't know that. So you could keep the same mouthpiece and change the, change the, um, the bit ring and see how that works. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway. All right. Good. The good question. Thanks everybody. Appreciate that. Uh, I need to talk a little bit here about our sponsor and uh, we're happy to still have Purina Equine Senior on here with us. If you have an older horse that's trying to age gracefully, trust the future with your old friend to the number one equine vet recommended senior feed. Purina Equine Senior and Senior Active Horse Feeds are backed by unparalleled research to support the unique needs of horses as they age. Both patented feeds include active age prebiotic technology to support optimal immune function, mobility, and appropriate metabolic response in aging horses. Plus, now with Outlast Supplement built in, they also support your horse's gastric health and comfort. Purina Animal Nutrition is years ahead in senior research, so you can have more good years with your horse. Put the research to the test at horseinnovation.com. Go to horseinnovation.com to learn more. And also I wanted to bring up here, uh, very excited today that we announced that we are doing the holiday concert with Templeton Thompson and Sam Gay. This is on November the 29th at 8 p.m. live here on Facebook. We'll be on a lot of Facebook pages. I think a total of about 20. Uh, but you can always find it at horseradionetwork.com. It's going to be at 8 p.m. But at 7.30 p.m., we're doing a game show. We're doing a holiday trivia game show to warm up before the concert. We have auditors signing up to play that now. And the reason we're doing the game show is uh, we have thousands of dollars in prizes to give away that night during the concert. We had too many for during the concert or we wouldn't have any singing, and we all we'd be doing is giving away prizes. So we're doing the game show to give away some of those prizes. You win those prizes by joining us the concert live, and we'll have a sign-up form you can go to. We'll be pulling names at random in between the songs, and we're giving away thousands of dollars of prizes, including at the end of the concert, we will be giving away your choice of any Wintech saddle. That's up to a $1,500 value. As you know, at the holidays, we give away more than anybody else in the media and the horse world. So join us that night. Uh, it's going to be holiday music. Tempe does a lot of cool holiday music involving horses. So we're going to be doing that. And uh, we want you to join us live. So uh, we'll see you in two weeks on the 29th. Hard to believe it's going to be here that quick. No Radiothon this year. Instead, a holiday concert, which is much easier for me to get ready for. Uh, and Templeton has to do all the work. So I like it better. Uh, so, But we're giving away a lot of prizes anyway. So that's all coming up. All right, let's get to the next question. And this one, Janet, you brought to the table. Okay. Um, so I think the first thing that I would say is let's remove bad behavior from the language, from the discussion. I know some people are going to go. <laughs> you mean I can't say naughty but, pony to my hackney pony every time no. he does something? No. No. Uh. 
I mean, you know, it was perfect when Alex said about there was a certain bit that she was using and he would throw his head and I can hear riders going, oh, why is he doing that? Why is she doing that? And she changed the bit and suddenly she would never go back. Um, you know, so recently I met Dr. Sue Dyson and um, she has like these 28, 26 behaviors that one would identify as pain triggers to, uh, quote, bad behavior. So that was one aspect of this discussion. But broader than that, I think, from having worked with so many, over 10, 11, 12 years now, so many horses that come with um, a pullback issue, a cinch issue, um, an ear head shy issue, a mouth issue. What we need to do is listen. We really, I mean, you know, I am not a high level rider. I don't ride that much, but I work with horses and people for um, so intensively for such a long time. And every time that we've encountered and with the volunteers and and also the people that I work with at the center, every time I think that you encounter a bad behavior, that horse is trying to talk to you. I mean, you think about children, adults, um, dogs, anyone that is, ex any living thing that is exhibiting, quote, bad behavior, they're trying to tell you that something is amiss. It's usually pain. It might be physical pain. It might be emotional pain. It might be an experience that they had, you know? And if you really think about the psychology of it, you know, and you think about it with people of all ages and you think about it with all animals, most, quote, bad behavior comes from a negative experience of some kind. And I had an experience the other day. It, it was simplistic and yet it was so telling. So I do a lot of work with the Forest Service. They have a very big equine field program where they use horses and mules um, from the time they're about three or four or five, all the way up till they retire them somewhere between 18 and 25. And um, it was this beautiful Palomino. He's about 20. And they decided to retire him. He, they said, I said, what's his name? They said, psycho. I was like, oh God, okay. <laughs> We're going with this. And so um, one of the chief resource people who's a woman and a great horsewoman, she said, I really think we, if we're going to adopt him out, really think we need to give him a new name. And she said, I like Buttercup, Trigger. Oh, Trigger. Let's go with Trigger. And then she found out that his original name was Seiko because he came from Seiko, Montana. But the Wrangler guys, being the guys working, you know, backcountry and all that, they renamed him Psycho because every time you tightened his cinch, he pulled back. Okay, so I'm knowing this, but I know that if he works for the Forest Service, he's got to be really gentle. He's got to have a balanced temperament. He's got to be willing. He's got to be a really good trail and backcountry horse. So I'm saying, okay, what's going on here? So this person who came to see him to adopt him, and she's a beginner, and I knew he'd be a great beginner horse. So everything is super, super quiet in every way. And she's holding his lead rope. And I said, well, look, it's time to put on the saddle. Let's see what he does. 
And the minute it's not putting on the pads, not putting on the saddle, but the minute you go with that cinch, he pulled back. I told her, let go, let go. He didn't go anywhere. So she let go and he just stood there. And he's the second horse with the Forest Service that did that. So I said, okay, um, let's just, so let's just give him a stroke. Let's tighten it again. You could feel him kind of going. You could, you could feel him tensing up. Let's stroke him. After about three or four times, what he did was, and a lot of the Forest Service horses, because they are working animals, they don't get any t- much TLC. They don't get a lot of, they don't get carrots, they don't get apples, and they certainly don't get, oh, a nice horse, love you, you know, all that. But the, the people who work for the agency, they love the horses and mules. Anyway, within a few, I'd say about 30 seconds to a minute, he's turning his head towards me and then towards her, the, the person who's thinking about him. And he was connecting. And each time the, the reaction was just a little bit less and a little bit less, but it was still there. And so that horse is telling us something. So fortunately, I was able to talk to several of the um, Forest Service folks who knew this horse and had worked with him. And apparently, when he was being branded, one of the Wranglers who went to put pain ointment on him went at him very, very quickly at the flank. So all the horse associated was, you're coming at my flank I'm in pain. I'm going to react. And it wasn't so much probably later on, it was the matter of somebody, you know, a lot of these guys, they cinch him up really fast, really tight. They don't have time to waste, lead him around. So this horse was associating all of that with pain. And I think, and then I have, you know, I could, you know, go on with multiple other stories like that. But in every instance, if you take the time to, analyze what you're seeing, what you're experiencing. And you know, the old saying, take the time. So it takes less time in natural horsemanship. That's what they say. You will see results almost, I would say a hundred percent of the time, because having worked now with hundreds of horses and seeing some of these issues in almost every case, it's about pain or it's about a negative experience. And you just have to rewire that brain. They're still going to, they're still going to, I think in most cases, react to some extent, but the more you listen, the better your relationship's going to be. And I think, you know, one of the first things is, is take, take, take those, um, take the language out, take the bad behavior out and say, what are you trying to tell me? Um, and I think you'll see it applying to a lot of aspects of your life. <laughs> I had I had that pretty clearly when I hit my first pony. Of course, I'm a horse husband. I married this. And, you know, I, I didn't like riding. So I took up driving and I didn't know a thing about driving. And Jennifer didn't know much more. But my first <laughs> pony came from the Amish. And uh, this pony knew how to drive. And kids had driven this pony everywhere. So every time I would do something wrong, she would throw her head in a certain way. She would just throw her head. And that told me I had to keep experimenting till I did it right. Uh, so that's what I would do. I'd keep experimenting till I did it right. But th- that was just a perfect example of, hey, what you're doing, I don't like what you're doing, because it's for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And she was just teaching me how to do it right. And then eventually, I kind of figured it out. Now, it might have been right her way, 
you know, as opposed to the correct way to do it. But uh, she was a good teacher that way because she was teaching me that, hey, I don't like that. It either hurts or it's not right or, you know, you're causing pain or you're just doing it wrong, plain. Mm -hmm. So, Emily, you've you've been on fox hunting horses and you've seen it all in the fox hunting field. So what are your thoughts on this? (laughs) Um, Well, I, you know, I think there's that, you know, there's a lot of behavior issues in the, in the fox hunting field. And I think, you know, you get into the field environment and it's like, it's the galloping herd. Right. (laughs) And so, you know, it's the galloping herd and everybody, you know, they're galloping, galloping. And it's like that their herd instinct and Janet, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, the, the herd instinct just takes over at that point. And so there's a lot of like, Oh, my horse was so bad today. I'm like, was he really bad or was he just doing what he naturally would have done in that environment, which is mm-hmm. going with the herd. And, and, you know, what mm-hmm. I learned about fox hunting all those years that I did it was that horses have different, they're different places within that herd. And some are like my, my mare, you know, we go, we went out trail riding a couple of weeks ago with a group. And usually I just go with one or two other people, but there were like six or seven people and we were riding along the Rio Grande and there's a really great area where we can gallop. And I said to the group, I said, listen, I led the field for eight years or whipped in. If I'm not in the front of this group, I, I'm going to be in trouble. So I really need to be in the front. And, and they were all like, well, you should just train her to go in the field. I'm like, why? She did this for eight years. This was her mm-hmm. job for eight years. If I changed that, to her and she was bad in the back, I would, first of all, it would be a terrible ride for both of us because she, you know, she'd be bucking. And mm, like I see the, cactus butt in your future there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, you do not want to, you do not want to come off on one of those jumping choyas. <laughs> so anyway, so I see a lot of that and I see a lot of fox hunters who, who are like, Oh, my horse was bad today. Well, yeah, really? Was he bad? Or did you just, you know, and it's hard to train that I think. So, you know, that's well, and why, yeah. I mean, I would say, why do you want to work against the an individual's temperament, right. personality? I mean, you know, I, I I'm not I'm not plugging. I am plugging natural horsemanship as we do it at the center, but I'm plugging it because the way the founders developed this particular mes- method called the Lassance method, or the principles of it based entirely on temperament, instinct, um, what is the makeup, not only of the horse generally, but your horse specifically. If you want to have a certain experience fox hunting and you don't want your horse to do this, that, or the other thing, then buy or adopt or whatever, a horse that is going to meet your person, your personality yeah. And your temperament that you can build that partnership and that relationship. It's like trying to, why are you trying to fit a square peg into a round hole? Mm-hmm. You know, you with people in our relationships with people, we look for people that we're compatible with. Well, when let's we, be honest though. We have a 50% divorce rate. So apparently we are trying to fit square <laughs> pegs into round holes. So. <laughs> we all make mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, Alex, do you have anything to add? People probably hold on to their horses longer than they do spouses. That's true. That <laughs> yeah, is true. I'm not <laughs> on a average. A horse longer than a not suitable spouse, let's just say. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> um, 
so yes, this is absolutely true. Now, I do think that horses can be like he's funky and behave in a way that people might think bad, right? right. My horse mm-hmm. has a is a lot, and he will sometimes become a lot, but he's not being bad. He's being him, right? Right. So I know that. We're going to be out on a trail ride. And if we decide to canter, he doesn't care whether he's first necessarily, but he's going to get wound up possibly. Right? Right. He's he's a thoroughbred. If I want to gallop across a field on a thoroughbred, I need to be expect that we may have some Yahoo moments. He is not too bad. He doesn't get punished for those. I go, come on, come on. Let's not kill me, please. You know, uh, (laughs) but he's very, he, doesn't do anything that is dangerous to me. He is just having fun. Now, that said, when things aren't right, he has a very, very clear language. It took me three times to find out what his language is, but now I know. And the third time was a small strain on his abductor uh, ligament that he was 100% sound. This was last winter, 100% sound, did not jog off, didn't respond to anything. And I was being told it's the winter time. He's not getting as much turnout. He's a little, and we all know he's a lot of horse, right? But there was something different, right? Every time I asked for canner, he would kind of explode a little bit. And, you know, the I kept hearing, oh, well, it's winter time. You know, he's, you know, it's been nasty weather. It's cold It's blah, blah, blah. So I sort of was buying in for a little while. And then I said, I listened to my gut because this had happened, you know, similar things had happened two more, two other times when it turned out to be uncomfortable things. Um, and I, I just started thinking, mm, I don't know. So I had a body worker look at him and I didn't mention anything to her. I just let her start working on him. And she was like, Oh, he's in great shape. All the way started at his pole all the way back until she got to a point on his hind end where she found some, a lot of soreness on his on his uh, hindquarters. And she says, you know, I've seen this before and it sometimes has something to do with the abductor. She reached under and he just kicked out. So clearly she thinks he slid a little bit and pulling that leg back Mm -hmm. in, just tweaked that tendon enough that it was sore and not, not, not injured sore, but enough Mm -hmm. to make him not feel stable enough to break off and, and stay at a canner. Right. So we did a little bit of rehab, maybe 10 days of some red light. And he then, you know, he was off for a week. She came back, said, didn't see the reactivity in his hind end. He went back into work, you know, walk, trot, walk, trot, walk, trot. About two weeks later, I asked for the canner and he was perfect. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I went, okay. So there I was a month trying to figure out this behavior. Right. Mm-hmm. And trying to fit it into this box that people are telling me, well, it's cold. He's a thoroughbred. Um, he's not getting enough turnout. He's just a little wild, you know, and, and he's a, a little, you know, he's a lot. So that sort of fit. But luckily, and I said to him, when she found it, I sort of teared up and went, you know what? I looked at him. I said, buddy, you're never going to have to tell me that again. Mm-hmm. Isn't that because beautiful? What yeah. I know is that he doesn't do things that are bad. And I know the difference. Right. So, I know when he's being spunky and I know when he's being and that was just him saying, I would love to do this, but I can't. I would love mm-hmm. to do this, but I can't. And the fact that he didn't buck me off. Right. He just kept trying, 
even though he wasn't really able to do it well and was nervous about it because we know that horses, when they feel like they're not at a hundred percent, they can become defensive. Right. Like know. people. <laughs> right. People are that way too, you know, right? They, yeah. As a, yeah. You know, as a flight animal, if they don't feel 100%, they can get defensive. So you need to, you know, we need to all be aware of that. But Alex, what's, what's Jamie always say? You can't train through pain, right? You, you, yeah, right. That's, and, yeah. and, you know, we're not even sure he was in pain. You know, she thinks that it just was weakness and he just felt uncomfortable. And he's yeah. very, and a lot of horses would have been much more stoic and would have just gone, gone along and done it. He's just not one of those guys. He's As like, many people would. Right. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, that's he's the just thing. not that guy. He, you know, he's like, oh, there's something wrong. You know, that's, <laughs> that's how he acts. You know, it, you know, he's got a mild stomach ache. He thinks he's going to die, gets bad mean, and then he's 100%. But he literally <laughs> acts like he's going to die. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right, Janet. There are some people that are more tough. Than, like my wife breaks a bone and she drives herself to the hospital. Oh, yeah. and I come home and right, she has the cast right, on right, and right. then she's feeding dinner, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Like, so, and, that's, and he's just really sensitive. And if he, you know, yeah. it's just one of his things. Us horse husbands, we do something like that, and we're out for a month. You know, don't, don't even talk yeah, to us. For three days. So, <laughs> all right, we have to move on. That's right. all the time we have for that. So thank okay. you for bringing that, Jan. Appreciate it. Okay. So uh, let's talk a little bit about American Horse Publications, Emily, who's on the board. American Horse Publications is an equine-related publishing media business, media professionals, colleges, and students. And it's been around for 50 years. So uh, how long have you been involved with HP? Uh, well, on and off since 2005. So a long time. Yeah, long time. Yeah. Um, I took a break there in the middle. Uh, and I wasn't doing very, very many horse magazines and, um, but you know, on and off for, for quite a while. Um, I so was, go ahead. If somebody's watching this, that's involved in the media in some way in the horse world, why would you say for them to join? Oh, the people, you know, the networking, the people, uh, you know, I, I just, there was a conference. We of course didn't have our conference last year, but we had our conference this year in Dallas and I made a new friend. Like how, how often does that happen when you're 58 years old? You know, I like, I made a new friend and like somebody I had never met before who we're super simpatico and, and, um, you know, just reconnected with old friends, people I've worked with. The networking is great. Uh, it, if you're interested in being involved in equine media, you know, you can, there's a pitch, um, a pitch fest where you can pitch your story idea to a bunch of editors. And it's really the gathering place for, um, for equine media professionals. And, and, you know, the conference is coming up. It's going to be in Lexington in May. Um, you do have to be a member to come to the conference, but there's a lot of great educational, um, elements to it. Um, uh, Glenn always often does a podcasting session. I've done sessions. Yeah, they even let podcasters in this yeah, organization. Yeah, I, did, I kinda... did, um, I've done a bunch of sessions on things that I, you know, I talked about starting your own business, which I did. And I um, just did one about ethics, media ethics, which I teach at Arizona State. So, um, yeah, I, I love the organization. So. I'm a, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> and everybody, and it's sign-up time. It's annual renewal time. So it's AmericanHorsePubs.org. Go check it out today. Now, let's talk a little bit to you guys. So, Alex, we found out that you are a eventer in, in, right outside of Philadelphia. But you just got back. You just, by the way, your description, <clears throat> somebody who got back into horses after a long time being out, uh, describes probably 40% of our audience. We found when we've done oh, surveys that... Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just people. 
they're 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 usually moms who put all the energy into the kids and uh-huh. did horses before then the kids are out and they're going well i can get back to horses now and the husband's going oh my god i thought that was over um so oh, he didn't even know me as a horse person he doesn't even know what the hell happened uh- <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even know he doesn't know what the hell happened poor yeah. guy yeah. i need to have him on a horse husband's episode <laughs> it's not pretty it's not pretty so when you came back was it easier harder well so i thought so i thought that i was just going to come back and, and volunteer at a co-op and pet some horses right i thought i'm too old i'm too fat you know i can't do this right i can't do what i did before because i was semi-professional back when i rode before and rode green horses and all the all the crazies of course they probably didn't have good fitting saddles and all the things that we now know you know but 35 years ago we were used one saddle on all the horses right so Anyway, but, uh, and then I just got into the horse and I was like, oh my, you know, it just, I, I was in. And so I guess it was day after Christmas. I went to the co-op March 17th. I bought my thoroughbred. There you so go. it didn't take long. <laughs> um, what I was surprised about was the anxiety and fear. Right. And I had to, plus he was not suitable, right. He was just not a suitable horse. And, um, for you, for, for me, right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For me. Yeah. He just was not suitable. Um, so we worked really hard and then I had to have, we, he had a winter break because of where I was, we couldn't really ride. And I just had to come to Jesus. Like you're either going to have to sell this horse and get something broke. Right. Not, you know, not, I know Jamie hates that word, but get something that safe, right? Or you need to put on your big girl panties and figure out how to ride this horse <laughs> and, um, and put the anxiety away because I realized that he's so sensitive that as soon as I got on and I was afraid, he was spent his whole time going, what are we so afraid of? What are we so afraid of? <laughs> There's got to be something terrifying going on. Like literally that's what we did for months. And it was realized that my anxiety was translating into his anxiety that I just had to come to come, you know, put on my big girl panties. And I literally, he hadn't been ridden in six weeks. I tacked him up on a reasonable March day, hopped on, took a deep breath and we haven't looked back. We've had, Good you know, for you. He's, yeah. a, he's a, you know, He's a lot of horse, still a lot of horse, but I'm glad that I stuck it out because I don't think I would now be happy with some. Well, he's also teaching you to be a better rider. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. And then I had to go through, why can't I make my body do all the things I know it should be doing? (laughs) Well, I got to, I got to, age has something to do with that too. Oh, oh, (laughs) I'm like in my mind going, I know exactly what I should be doing right now and what the result would be. And why can I not make this thing do that? I think we all ask that every day, actually. Right. <laughs> Alex, you, you, you'll appreciate this. I was, I have, I'm eventing also, and my coach is younger, quite a bit younger. She's great. She said we were doing some, uh, we were working on show jumping, which is my weak link, and uh, and so I land off this fence, and she's like, I'm like, I always have this moment where I'm, yay, right. 
And she's like, come on, sit up. You, there's no <laughs> thing. Like, oh, I'm it. not that right. quick anymore. All right, we have to continue on. We're going to run out of time. Emily, <laughs> uh, we talked a little bit about you. You're actually teaching right now. You teach at the University of Phoenix, nope. Arizona. Arizona State. Arizona State. Yeah. and you, But you do it online. You also do uh, Guelph up there, who, who, who we talk about all the time because they always come up with cool health stuff. How is it teaching uh, online and to, to college kids? Uh, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, I taught a long time at the University of New Mexico in person. So um, teaching online is a whole other experience because the students are, you know, they can't, ask you a question face to face. They, they are in this bubble of their world and, and you kind of intrude on them once a week or so. And they, you know, they have to engage with the content themselves. And so it's really a job for a writer because I wrote, you know, I wrote the Guelph class, which was equine journalism, which is awesome. And then I rewrote one of the classes I'm teaching for um, Arizona state. And it's really about making your, your um, lectures so clear and it's an excellent exercise for writers because you have to make everything really clear. Every instruction has to be really detailed because I guarantee you, if you leave one thing out, that's the one thing you're going to get a hundred emails about, you know? And so you, you kind of have to keep, okay. Did I, we always say that teaching makes you better. Yeah. By being a teacher, it makes you better. It makes you a lot better. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's interesting, too, because what you're doing with journalists, potential future journalists, a lot of what they're going to be doing requires them to be at home alone, right? So, yeah. in a way, doing it this way is is teaching them what they're really going to be doing later, yeah. um, which is on their own for the most part, unless they work at a newspaper in the, in, in the building, you know, <laughs> they're going to be doing it at home, right? Yeah. So. And I will say that um, Google is my curse, you know, <laughs> because they don't know really how to research things. Mm. They only know how to Google things. And I had to tell them, you know, Google is a bunch of algorithms. You know, it's not real research. <laughs> and so one of the assignments they have to do is they have to go to Google Scholar and they have to actually find real research, hook a story on it, make sure it's not a um, pure, you know, it's not a predatory journal which are these journals where the research where academics pay to get into them so they can get published. You know, they have, they have this whole bunch of things and it's like, if they Google, you know, concept. So they're not allowed to use Wikipedia for every answer. No. Uh, and they can no. use Wikipedia <laughs> sources though for the, yeah, oh, there, there, so yeah, that's, yeah. that's the difference, right? So. There you go. Yeah. And Janet, we said that what, you know, that you do, you have a rescue up there, but you, you do a number of different things. Just kind of give us a quick Reader's Digest version. Okay. Well, with the Montana Center for Horsemanship, um, we're developing it into an international equine education center. So what's really unique about it, and my job is, of course, raising funding to do this, um, the communications around it, but also developing conferences and symposiums. So you have a big, beautiful arena, adjacent uh, corrals and pastures. The livestock come in that way. We have classrooms within the arena. We have exhibitor areas within the arena. We have a veterinary laboratory research area within the arena. And we have a tech area within the arena. So it's kind of like this wonderful center in the middle of um, this mountain range. So that's beautiful. And so I'm working on developing programs with 
um, a kind of a wide range of organizations. But the big one is this annual conference, Horse, Human, and Nature, that will be in September. And I've incorporated the Equus International Film Festival into that. So um, we're right now, we just opened the call for entry. So we have films coming in from all over the world that are part of this conference. This year, well, actually 2022, the conference theme is the natural horsemanship revolution, which I say is also the evolution of natural horsemanship. And then I have Horse Haven, Montana, which is rescue and adoption. And I'm not a sanctuary. I work with individuals who, for whatever reason, can no longer keep a horse or mule or horses. I work with the Forest Service. I work with guest ranches and private ranches to place animals that they no longer want, use, or can keep in permanent adoptive homes. So that's it. Uh, yeah, and and in, in, in <laughs> her free all. time, in her free time, she might get to hike in some of those mountains. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, the pandemic has has changed, you know, by working at home and and not having to go to an office unless you're going to a meeting. And then in Montana, you might be driving three hours. Right. But by working from home, you know, if you start at five in the morning and you finish at midnight, you have plenty of time during the day to do other things. So I play with my own horses. Very good. Sounds good. Thank All right. You. I uh, we're going to run a little long because I got to get to Alex's question because we used to run a boarding stable with about 20 horses. So Alex, tell us what your question is. So I, I'm just wondering, so I at a boarding facility and we have um, a lot of horses, uh, many of which are, are school horses, which are very well taken care of. So that's, it's, this is not a neglect or abuse type of thing, but how do you deal with differences in, horsemanship like i i find it i find it sort of frustrating when i you know for when i came back you know now google is you know a good great resource to learn all the things right so because things are so different now and we know so much more now than when i was doing horses you know 25 years ago um and we know more about warm-up and all of that and so i find it's just annoying when other other people, you know, they take their horse out of the stall and they knock the dirt off and they throw the tack on and off they go. And in three minutes, they're trotting and cantering around. And I just get so frustrated. And I don't, I don't really, you know, I'm just wondering how people, what people think about that. Like, Glenn, I know you must have, you know, as a... Well, we had a list of all the different types of people you'll have at a boarding stable. If you have, you know, quite a few horses there, you're going to have the know-it-all who insists on telling everybody about everything they're doing wrong, right? Right. And that person usually well, doesn't last. No, see, that's the hard part is not being that, right? Yeah. my problem because I want to go and go, you know, that maybe, <laughs> but I don't want to do that. So I don't well, be and that. if you do do that, you're going to become that person. And I don't want to be that person. Right. Yeah. Emily, you've seen this. I mean, oh, <laughs> I was just laughing at your question because my, the answer rolling around in my head is buy your own horse property, Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which is what I did after yeah. being in boarding barns for a long time. And I bought my own little horse property. Now I have a boarder, so I'm sort of in the same, a little bit of the same situation as <laughs> she's relatively new to horses. And sometimes mm -hmm. I'm just like, eh. well, and sometimes they want to learn. No. 
They you do, do have the receptive ones, but yeah. then the problem with that when you're at a large facility is the receptive ones are getting 25 different opinions, right? Right. right. So it's kind of confusing for them because they don't know what to do, yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I kind uh, of, you know, I think it's like lead by example, yeah. right? Like that's kind of, you know, everybody wants to know why my horse looks so shiny and pretty because I groom him. Well, yeah. I think day. I like, think bought some brushes. You know, and people will say that, <laughs> like, how come you're, how, you know, he's really shiny. And I go, yeah, I curry him every day. I think, you know, I think you can strike that balance, though, because, yeah. I, you know, I've been around plenty of boarding barns in my lifetime. And I think I think you can strike the balance with well-worded mm-hmm. suggestions, mm-hmm. you know. And, I mean, it's hard to do, but, you know, I just did it not too long ago with a young woman I was over at a friend's boarding barn. We often ride out from there. So I'll trailer over there and we leave from her place. There's a young woman there and, you know, she's wanting to move up and eventing. And like, it's like, God, you got to shorten those stirrups. You know, she kept getting left behind, banging the horse with her mouth. And, you know, it was like, you need to really shorten the stirrups. Like, Mm -hmm. and the way I worded it, she was super receptive to it. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just like, you know, when I jump the big jumps, I really kind of go up two holes at least because mm-hmm. you just need that spring when you're, you know, when you're going and the way I worded it, she, she heard it. I think she heard it. She shortened her stirrups. So I think if you word it correctly, I'm not the queen of this, by the way, I can be you, really, you know who really is blunt. <laughs> Do you know who is Emily and Alex both know my wife, Jennifer, she's a, <laughs> she's very good at that. And, mm-hmm. but she also gets to the point where she'll do that. She'll do what you just did. And you, if you always relate it back to yourself, I would yeah. do this, or when I do that, I do this way. You know, you're not yeah. telling them to do it. I think that's the difference, right, Janet? You're not telling the person to do it. Well, and I think it's also your style. Like a very close friend of mine who was my trainer initially. Well, she's so intense and pushy. It's like, you need to do it this way. Right. You know, it, um, I forget the word, but she was like, I know it and you don't. So I'm going to tell you versus, hey, you know, let's, oh, you know, what are you thinking about? You know, collaborative and and how you communicate. I mean, it's really interesting, Alex, because I'm from New York. I mean, I was a New Yorker, but the the way people approach people can be so different from the east to the west. You know, Alex, like though, she lives near Philadelphia. For God's that's sake, the, that's the east. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'm a New I'm a New Yorker too. Who lives, oh, who cool. lives in Albuquerque? You know this. We tend to be pretty blunt yeah. and rough around the edges. So I yeah. probably <laughs> I probably fall under that category. But you know, like I don't want. I, it's hard. There's a few it's people hard. That, that have a question. They, you know, they'll come to me. Um, you know, what do you think? And because every, everybody knows that I have done extensive research on nut- on nutrition and you know all of those kinds of things. So anybody, hey, that, you listen to our shows. I mean, yeah, <laughs> right? It's true. And I, you know, and I've tried to really find. I only ha- I can only I only have one horse, and I can only have one horse. So. And I love him and he is my heart horse and I need to take the best care of him as I possibly can so that he's around with me and we're able to do the things we like to do. Right. So people do come and it's interesting. 
interestingly enough, he does, you know, he looks great. So people are like, what do, what do you do with this? And why, you know, why do you do that? And, you know, and I'll get a, could you come look at this? And, uh, you know, and then I go, well, I think I would maybe, you know, after you ride, have a hard ride. Maybe you want to cold hose his legs in the summer. You know, like maybe that's a good idea. I and, think what you said is is accurate. It, it's leading by example. That That is yeah. the best way because people see, and people notice, you know, they do notice that. Uh you know, and Emily, you can do, Jennifer does, you know, what you said, she'll, she'll find a way to creatively say it. But she also, if they, if she identifies immediately that they're not receptive to whatever, right. she backs right off and it's like, never right. again. You know? yeah, oh, I'm not having any, any conversations with anybody about their riding. Yeah. I'm a very good trainer. The trainers are good. That's, that's their job. But, you know, you know, it's more uh, of what they do before they get to, like, I mm-hmm. will never understand when you have a 10 o'clock lesson that you are getting on your horse at five of 10. Well, the trainer can't understand that either, by the way. (laughs) No, I mean, I just don't understand that. I'm not ever going to. That was one of Jennifer's pet peeves. You're going to continue to do that and you own the horse and you've been here for two hours. And it is. Can the trainer, let me ask you, can the trainer um, act as sort of a guide um, and inspiration? I mean, uh, she has a lot of lessons, so she's not sure what they've, I mean, we have a lot. Look, some of these women are literally walking and trotting in their lesson. They are not having this lesson where, so it really doesn't probably in horsemanship terms, but I have said to, you know, one of them, because I just can't, you know, he doesn't relax. And I said to him, maybe get on him early, give him a little walk around. And she was like, that really helped. I know. You know, you pull him out of a stall and you get on him and then you want all of a sudden, you know, 10 minutes later, you're trying to press a button. And then there's the opposite of that, though, with the person who lunges the horse for an hour and a half before they ever get (laughs) on. So there there is the opposite (laughs) of that. We've all seen that, too. So I'll tell you what's the really tough one is when you see uh, somebody being abusive. Yeah, yeah, there's there's one situation where there's a a girl that I just feel crosses the line. Yeah, she rides roughly, and I can't can't abide by it. And I I just try and stay away from it. I just can't. Yeah, because you're not going to win in that, no matter what you do. Yeah, no. And she thinks she's the best thing since sliced bread. So what am I going to? You know, that's usually the case. (laughs) You know, and I I I can't really. I don't. I try and avoid her handling my horse. Luckily, I'm there enough. I have, you know, she can be nasty and she can be nasty to people and she can be nasty to horses. And there's always one of those at the barn, too, for some reason that just, and And, when one leaves, another comes. You know, just like anything else, it has some background to it, whatever, you know. But um, I decided early on that I was going to kill her with kindness and I'm going to be nothing but nice to her. And in response, she's nice to my horse. Yeah. And oh boy, that is not the what? Philadelphia way, though, Alex. That is not the Philadelphia <laughs> way. Uh, more, it's a bees with honey thing. That's because I'm old. I have uh, to that's say. a bees with honey. You know, Gordon. you just get, get more bees with honey than you do with vinegar. And that's just. That does come with age. Be, yeah. and, and in those situations, you know, um, that's what I've just found to be the best route. And there is always one that is, you know, it, that is not the. God, I hope she's not watching this. 
I love that thought too. That's, it's, it's I that's the first thing I thought. Right. You probably wouldn't even hurt. You're in the truth, right? Like, right. No, they never do. You're right, Alex. They never do. I have to say, boarding barns are so. There, maybe that's my next book. I don't know because it's. I mean, it's going to be like it's going to be like the the collection of essays of like boarding barn spectacular blow up nightmares because i do like the relationships we have a lot of horses and the culture at our barn is horses first that's for sure you're always going to have this you know one person that's funny but the the thing about my trainer that i like is that she appreciates my horse for who he is and what she says when I first started riding, she go, okay, so he has opinions, right? Like that's the nice way to say he has opinions. Like, yeah, he does. But she's never been at me like get after him, right? Like don't put up with that. Show him who's boss. Like none of that stuff. It's always been, and she's been eventing. She rode with Bruce Davidson Sr. So um, that culture to me is really good. And the school horses, which we all know can sometimes not be treated very well, are very well treated. Well, and so for well, for a boarding facility, I enjoy it. And I like yeah. relationships and all of that. But there's and just these challenges. We're running out of time, so we're going to have to wrap up. But it's true at work, though, right? Usually at work, 95% of the people there are, are really nice and you get along and with them really well. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there's that jerk, right? And yeah. he's always in your department and sometimes your boss, right? Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, and you can't like everybody and not everybody's going to be the same as you. And they're, you know, there's, that's just part of the world. But. As I've said before in the acting company, we always said, and this is still true today, even <laughs> what we do here, 80% of the people like what you do, 20% are not going to like you no matter what you do. Yeah. So, and that's fine. And they, they, but for some reason, some of those 20% still watch and like to comment all the time. It's like, <laughs> oh, no, just go away, watch somebody else. I don't understand. I don't even understand. If you don't like it, then don't, you don't like it. Move Be- because they just like to not like it. They live in that world. Yeah. So, like all right. Th- th- Alex, thank you for joining us tonight. Thank you for being an auditor. Emily, is there a place people can find you? Uh, yeah, they can find me at esquarededit.com esquarededit.com. And Janet, what's the best place to find you? Oh, probably jrt at montana.com. jrt at montana.com. Yes. Got it. And don't forget, go shopping at yourinstore.com for all of your swag and the cute little pony picture that Jess drew on all uh, cards and all kinds of different things. You can find that over there right now. You can get embroidery and all kinds of different stuff. We also want to thank our sponsor, Purina Equine Senior Horse Feed. Go to horseinnovation.com for that. And of course, AHP, American Horse Publications, for being our partner in this little project. And reminder, the 29th of November at 8 p.m. Join us, actually, 7.30 for the game show if you want to have a little fun with us. Uh, we're going to be giving away a lot of prizes that night, so you're going to want to join in, enjoy some holiday music, some prizes, and some fun, and you all love Templeton anyway. So uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight. If you missed any part of the show and want to catch the rest of it, go to Stable Scoop podcast feed tomorrow. It'll be out there in audio form. You can catch it there. Thank you, guys. We'll Thank see you all. Bye. Bye.
Bye. Have a good Bye. Thanksgiving, everybody. Yeah, you happy too. Thanksgiving. Take care.